Welcome to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. Yara is the global leader in crop nutrition knowledge and a producer of quality fertilizer products. Grow the future with Yara. Hello again and welcome. I'm Ken Rundle and with me is Yara's Agronomy Operations Manager, Natalie Wood. We're looking forward to another year after a wet back end and for many, some very cold spells with hard frosts across the country. It's against that background, Natalie, that we're going to look at early fertiliser applications, especially nitrogen. Now, you've been travelling the length and breadth of the country this month. What's your impression about the condition of the crops and the state of the ground? Yeah, so I mean, obviously it depends where you are, but on the whole, I think crops are looking pretty good. We had good um, conditions for establishment, so they went into good conditions and, and had chance to grow before we got kind of this, this patch of rainfall. Um, but once it rained, it kind of didn't stop for quite a while. So, you know, there has been quite a lot of waterlogging. Um, and if we look at rainfall figures, they are, you know, 20, 30% above average for that time of year. And particularly November was a, a nasty month for, for rainfall. Um, but of course, it depends where you are in the country. Um, as to whether you've suffered from that or not. Um, I guess the problem with rainfall is when the crop's sitting in that, you know, anaerobic wet environment, you you do start to lose some of that root mass. So the the secondary roots um, or the seminal roots start to kind of rot and, and die away. And you've left with the, the adventitious roots, which are the more shallow ones. So that's just something to bear in mind looking forwards. If, if we're left with just the shallow roots, it will affect that crop's ability, obviously, to take up nutrition water etc as we go forwards so that's just one of the things you have to take into account when you're planning this first season's applications of nitrogen yeah definitely so you know we're trying to recover that root system so we need to use nutrition to help that um as i mentioned it's those shallow roots that we're now going to be dealing with if we have had that water logging damage so we need to you know grow as much of that as we can um but you know the potential is that they could be shallow for a long time. And if we do have a dry spring, then that can exacerbate that, obviously, if we haven't got that root length to get down to the, the moisture. Um, so how can we affect that? Then I guess nitrogen is our first port of call for, for trying to recover that root system. Um, early rates of nitrogen and the right rate of nitrogen. So with all the, the rain that we've had over winter, we're likely to have lost quite a lot of nutrient from the soil. So you know, a higher rate of nitrogen, say 70 kilos of nitrogen as a minimum for that first application um, is really what we're looking at and getting it on kind of as soon as we're able to. So, so mid-February, if the weather conditions allow, you know, will enable us to start building that root system um, because that's what we need to replace what's been lost, basically. I always associate phosphate with root development. Where does that fit in? Yeah, so particularly important as well, phosphate, as you say, for roots um, and also for energy transfer within the crop. So all the processes within the crop require energy and phosphate is part of that. So, you know, not only does it help build the roots, but it's helping the whole planters uh, in all its processes. Um, again, phosphate availability is relatively poor when we've had cold, wet weather. Um, soil temperatures need to be kind of eight or 10 percent or above to get phosphate availability from the soil so hence you know applying fresh phosphate in the spring as part of a, an mpks fertilizer for example helps give the crop that immediately available phosphate um, and then goes towards building that root system you mentioned s there drop that one in that is still very important yeah sulfur is very key um it's got a very close relationship with the nitrogen so 
you don't have efficient uptake and utilization of nitrogen if you haven't got a sufficient supply of sulfur. So the two kind of work together to, to create that and you're increasing your nitrogen use efficiency by having sulfur in a sufficient amount as well. So it is a matter of taking a very close account of the state of your soils, um, know the drainage situation and as well as basically the original nutrient status of your mm. soil. Yeah, and certainly, you know, if you're unsure as to whether your roots have been affected by waterlogging, just get the spade out, dig up some plants, have a look at the roots. If the tips of the roots are white and fresh, then, you know, that that root is actively growing and you know that it's healthy. If they're a dull colour, um, you know, off-white or pink even, you know, it, it's showing that they're probably not going to grow and recover from that waterlogging. So, yeah, it's nothing... Um, as good as getting out into the field and actually having a look at what your situation is. Given the cost of production just now, no one wants to waste money and losing nutrients through leaching or runoff is a real risk of that, given the conditions you've been talking about. Is this a good time to remember the important role of soil organic matter? Just remind everybody. Yeah, I mean, obviously, organic matter is a a vital component of soil. Um, Everyone's been trying to increase their organic matters. You know, um, it's not a, a quick process, unfortunately. If you were trying to increase a few percentage points, then really you're talking about a long time, maybe even 10 years to try and get those organic matters up. And that's with, you know, repeat applications year on year, cover crops, et cetera, trying to get as much organic matter as you can back into the soil. But, you know, as you say, the organic matter holds on to nutrients. Um, it can decrease the um, the amount of, of risk you've got from leaching, um, and you know it, it holds the soil together better, so you've got a better structure overall, which can help with conditions like compaction, you know, etc. Um, so yeah, no, not a bad word to say really about organic matter. And given the trends, the, the climatic trends, the, the, the sort of autumns and the sort of springs that, that the climatologists are talking about, these are important things, even if they are a bit long term. Yeah, and I mean, eight out of the last ten years, we've had a dry spring, so you know you need to farm for those eight out of ten years really if you if you're going to manage all the risks that are involved and certainly organic matter helps with that because you you know you're retaining moisture nutrients etc so certainly do as much as you can to try and build that organic matter you mentioned the word risk there are there any other issues about risk management we should remind ourselves about yeah so i guess a lot of people this year perhaps had um urea or straight nitrogen as their um, you know, source of nitrogen. So that runs a risk of how you're going to get your sulfur on. Um, you know, don't forget about the PK as well. So it's just about minimizing any kind of risks that you might have. And if we think of urea, then, um, you know, there's various things associated with that in terms of emissions, environmental aspects, obviously. Um, and what, you know, what we don't want to do in a year like this when the economy as it is as it is, is start experimenting with potential other sources of uh, sulfur that you might not be used to or, you know, other things potentially like biostimulants, those kind of things. I'm not saying don't try them, but, you know, it's not a year to go full farm scale with those, maybe just test them um, because what we don't want to do is, you know, limit that yield whatsoever in this kind of situation. Very often, these I, these deals and these bulk supplies of coming in from various 
uh, unknown sources. Their, mm. their, their formulation's different, so you can't rely on on your previous experience. It's a, it is a case of knowing what you're dealing with. It doesn't mean to say it's not useful, but no. you can't just assume that it's 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 uh, it's working to the standard formulation that everything else is working to. No, and I mean you know some stuff you you just need to try because it might work for your neighbour and not work for you on your farm. So you know you're not going to get exactly what it it might say you're going to get but you know it's about managing those kind of things to to see what works for you and while obviously farmers are initially dealing with the problems of both the their economy the, the economical status of their farms but also the uh, getting the crop moving um you mentioned emissions there do you think farmers are thinking enough about that because i've been patching into a number of recent conferences where there's been discussion about processes and corporates beginning to ask difficult questions on emissions as they come under pressure from things like consumers and policymakers and so on it's something that uh, we can't discount any longer no we're not going to get away from um and obviously the the clean air strategy came out a number of years ago now um and we still haven't really changed what we're doing with urea yet it was supposed to happen this spring so spring 23 um but because of the the market as it was it got put back so um in terms of emissions we know urea is you know the highest emitter of ammonia um which is associated with you know human health all sorts of kind of issues environmentally in the air um so the the rules that are coming in will be spring 2024 um it's likely that we're going to have to have an inhibitor with any kind of urea product. Um, so that does reduce your emissions. But if we think about um, the, the amount of emissions, it, the if we use AN, they're still half the emissions that urea is plus an inhibitor. So, you know, if, if environmental issues are at the forefront, you know, product choice makes a hell of a difference. I know at the moment, you know, you're not incentivized to do anything with emissions. Um but you know it's likely to come in the future probably um and yet inhibitors are going to be mandatory after the 1st of april 2024 so you know things like this are coming an important warning there so let's summarize natalie what are your bullet points for this podcast so get out into the field in terms of looking at your roots have they been affected by water logging how's that going to affect what you're going to do in spring to try and recover that root system um, early high rates of nitrogen, I wouldn't say above 100. So we're looking at 70 to 100 kilos of nitrogen there. Um, use your other nutrition, so phosphate, um, sulfur, to make sure you're getting the most out of your nitrogen and you're rebuilding that root system, um, which has potentially been damaged. Just keep a close eye on everything. Yeah. Well, thanks, Natalie. And let's hope the weather doesn't knock everything off course with any unpleasant surprises this spring. There's a long way to go before we're out of the woods. You've been listening to the advice of Yara's Agronomy Operations Manager, Natalie Wood. I'm Ken Rundle, and I'll be talking grass in a couple of weeks' time with advice for those planning their first cut silage. Join me then. Thanks for listening to Yara's Grow the Future podcast. For more information, visit yara.co.uk or yara.ie.